Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics, the quarantine edition. This is episode 74. We are your hosts, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey. Quarantine edition. How long yeah. will the quarantine, quote unquote, quarantine edition have to go before it's just the uh, normal everyday edition? <laughs> um, maybe when they reopen stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like no, four years like, from now when we're still here doing Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> quarantine edition. I don't know. I think we've, I think after five episodes of this, we can stop calling it quarantine edition and become <laughs> the new norm. Right, the new norm. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you guys drinking? I am having iced coffee and water. What? <laughs> yeah, I had to miss the drink last night. Right. Where's Sarah? What have you done with her? <laughs> I, mean, I was I know, I was actually hoping to get miscellada mix so that I can make like a uh, michelada while I'm recording with you guys, but I didn't pr- place my order. Aren't you the person that said that you get that stuff don't like delivered straight to your door? Yeah, I didn't place the order. I thought about it, and I thought I did um, when I realized that I did not. <laughs> and so I'm like, Wait, where's in your history? Yeah, I was like, where's my mix? And I was like, oh shoot, I never sent it. Darn it. So here I am with coffee. <laughs> what, are you, what are you guys drinking? Well, I have, it's not beer, but it is um, alcoholic. I don't know if you guys can see, I'll get it close. It is a peach mango hard seltzer, draft hard seltzer. It's actually brewed by Brewery X, which is a um, brewery in Anaheim. And they are so good. And the way that I found out about them is uh, Eddie and I did a... Um, a virtual beer tasting and we've actually done two during all the lockdown and shelter in place and they're actually kind of fun and the very first one we did they had included um the huckleberry flavor of the hard seltzer they're low carb and they um they use actual pulp of real fruit into oh, wow. the dra- into the brew and they're so flavorful, so good. And they actually, this is um, only like four, oh no, this is 5%, but they also have a margarita and a Mai Tai one that's like 12%. Wow. And they're really that good. That sounds really good. <laughs> and you, you know what? I actually saw that can at uh, Torrance Craft Beer Cellar. Oh, okay. Uh, and I actually wanted to get it, but I'm not into seltzer. But now I'm, intri- I'm intrigued. How is it? How delicious is it? I really like it a lot. Uh, my favorite one is the huckleberry. It has the most flavor as far as I'm concerned, but the peach, man- they have peach mango, they have watermelon lime. Um, I can't remember what other ones they have. I'm forgetting one, um, but uh, what is it? Oh no, I said that already. He's telling me watermelon. But anyway, I think um, the person who worked there that I picked it up for mentioned that they also have a passion fruit one that they do um seasonally and that that's his favorite but they're all really good mm-hmm. excellent what, yeah. what are you having jen what are you drinking uh i am drinking uh dragon drink from starbucks 
the Ooh. color is amazing it really <laughs> is super i think it's supposed to have dragon fruit in it that's why it says color uh all i saw was that it was called dragon drink and i ordered it <laughs> makes that sense. tracks for jen <laughs> <laughs> so um what do you guys uh have anything new happening this week or anything you did last week i know I know I really loved uh, setting up our new YouTube, guys. We have a YouTube channel now yes. where we uh, will be posting up all our interviews, our Las Platicas. And we recently did an interview um, uh, with all, someone from all the way from, was it Boston? Boston? Was it Boston? Um, no, I don't think. Anyway, oh, she did say East Coast. I think it was Massachusetts, but I don't think it was Boston. But oh, I think yeah. Maybe, maybe she was near Boston. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, they I have a Kickstarter <laughs> for Legends of Femora. Yes, an incredible comic that is an all-ages adventure. And it was, it was a lot of fun interviewing her. She's, uh, yeah. she's great. Margot, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, and yeah, then, and she and her husband Pat um, have their own uh, publishing company called Goat's Head Studios. So um, I thought that was a cool name. So if you guys are interested in hearing more about that in our interview with her, please do check out our YouTube video, and mm -hmm. also subscribe. Yes, please. <laughs> like and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> That's what all the YouTubers do. Like and subscribe. Yeah, I've yeah. always wanted to say that, and I forgot to say it on, on the oh video. Like for and next subscribe. Time. <laughs> for next time. Um. Oh. Uh, so yeah. Uh. I have a new kitten. Uh, Yay! Yes. Her name is Mochi. We decided to name her that after the Big Hero Six cat because she looks like that. Like calico uh cat so she's very small she's only two months old and Aww. i actually we just went to go buy her like kitten food and all that stuff but we have like all the old kitten stuff for uh from our other cats so uh i've been busy with her she's completely adorable she's super taken with like everybody already and she's super sweet she's not a scaredy cat like my other cat uh who runs away if we look at him for five seconds longer than he's comfortable with. Um, yeah. But um, um, but we're kind of get slowly getting to introduce them. I didn't think when we got her late, uh, like late at night, uh, I didn't think he was in the house because sometimes he just like goes and chills in the porch or whatever. Or like uh, uh, he just he just like stays out there for 30 minutes and then he comes back in because he doesn't really like being outside. So I didn't think he was inside when we had her. So we just kind of put her on the cat tower, uh, like to so slowly get her to be like, this is like, this is your new home now. Uh, he was inside the house. Specifically, he was underneath uh, like a pile of clothes that he had knocked down. Uh, so once we put her there, I just see these clothes moving and then he pops out. And she immediately freezes and does like the curved cat arch yep. thing and like uh, her hair's on end. And like they're just looking at each other and then he like starts to approach her and she's just like not having it. She's yep. just all like, I don't like you. I don't like your face and I will smack you. And she's, she's, she's small, she's tiny, but already he was like afraid of her. So right now we have them like separated from each other. Yeah. 
trying to do the before you know it they'll be all loving on each other hopefully they'll get along um uh, that's what we want but uh we're it's i'll give you an update in two weeks because that's (laughs) how long they have to they have to be separate from each other okay cute yeah i I actually have watched i don't know how i went down this rabbit hole but i actually watched (laughs) multiple videos of people bringing new cats into a home where there were all, was already a dominant cat and having to separate them and slowly introduce them and all the other stuff. I was like, I had no idea it was so complicated. Like, this is why I don't have children or pets. Cause I would have just like, <laughs> been like, okay, here's the home. Get used yeah. to it. <laughs> well, I don't, he's not, uh, Mason, our other cat, he's not I guess he's not the dominant. She would, I think she would easily establish herself as top cat, but we just don't want her to start fighting for him because she is significantly smaller than him. Yeah. But she was like, and she's, she's pretty calm until she saw him. And then that's when she was all like, oh, bitch, it's on. Like, it was like fight <laughs> on sight for her. Whereas he's, he's just curious about her. He like wants to yeah. see her and stuff like that, but she's like not having it. So yeah. I think... I don't that know was how her long right it's there. Be. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But it's like sometimes you can. Sometimes the cats do just like you just throw them together and yeah. they're like fine with it. Uh, or like they'll like maybe fight for one or two days and then they'll be like, okay, never mind. We've established uh, like a pecking order or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, but we just we kind of want to see. We kind of want them to get along. Uh, as much as possible so we're gonna do the whole two-week separation thing right mm-hmm. oh that's cool. i like the kitties they're super yeah. cute she's uh-huh. adorable she's so small oh i like it when they're that small when they fit in your hand by the way check out my nails oh uh, yeah <laughs> well see that was what i was gonna share with um what what's new um i joined a cult yes <laughs> And I am right there with her now. <laughs> and yes, and Sarah has seen the light. Um, <laughs> I'm a oh believer. <laughs> that, that was a very cult line, by the way. <laughs> like, so no, like, what I'm referring to is, um, I actually, I would say it was December of last year, started buying and um, not using, I bought them uh, color street nails. And then my consultant or my stylist, as they're called, was like, you should have a party. I'm like, okay, I'll do it for my birthday. So it was all the way from January to June that I waited to have this party. And by then I started using them during uh, lockdown. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't really realize how amazing these were. And I mean, I didn't have anything else to do and I couldn't go get my pedicure. So I was forced to do them on my own. And I was like, these, I I used to wear a different, I used to use a different brand and compared to that brand, this brand, this one was like so much easier to use. It was so quick, whatever. So long story short, I had my party and I was talked into becoming a consult a stylist (laughs) and now i am brainwashing all these other lovelies to come and (laughs) and drink the (laughs) kool-aid so i also have my nails and sarah has hers um jen says uh she she's she's still we got to still get her to (laughs) 
and yeah. I got I gotta say I was completely reluctant. Uh, Kristen was like, "Why haven't you joined my party?" And I said, "Cause I don't do my nails. I just do pedicures. Uh -huh. I actually cut my nails really, really short. Like I hate them long. Now yeah. I'm gonna grow so them. I. Now yeah. I grow. I'm gonna <laughs> grow them because of this. But um, I actually joined her birthday group and I won uh, a, a free samples. Now uh -huh. like, oh, I'll use them eventually. Uh, but then." Uh, <laughs> Then Kristen became a stylist and then she gave me more free samples. I'm like, okay, I have enough for a full set. So this, these are just the samples that I got. Uh -huh. um, I was able to stretch them and all, you know, my, oh, uh -huh. my fingers. Cool. And, but I put them on while I was on hold because I, I call insurances for a living and I'm on hold a lot. So I actually got to do... Um, four nails while I was on hold the first time <laughs> and I was like oh my god I love them and yeah. I hadn't been I haven't been wearing my wedding ring because it's a little snug mm. and because I had these glittery things now I started wearing my wedding ring because it matches yeah so like I'm like oh my god <laughs> and now I got more colors and I'm just like oh I just can't wait to change them and there's a fall season coming yes. up and these colors are like which rich wines and burgundies with uh glitter and i'm just like uh -huh. oh my god i'm, well, I'm gonna be on that halloween set like yeah me too no no lie, i'm gonna be on that <laughs> and i, I mean, love cleaning my nails and during halloween oh yeah and um everybody kept saying that they last a long time so what i did on the second day that i had them on i cleaned all my restroom on my hands and knees like just scrubbed i was like knee deep in like Ajax and Pine Sol and, <laughs> and Clorox and look they're still intact that's so crazy. I was good like amazed so I'm like a convert I'm like I know now what you were <laughs> I, I am on board I am so on board nice. oh that's funny my friend this is just a funny side story my friend who I also have uh in my cult because <laughs> she's addicted too she sent me a text of, of this letter that's in Spanish. She's like, what does this say? My neighbor gave this to me. And so I read it and basically the neighbor is Jehovah Witness and is asked, telling her that she wants to save her or whatever and to please come and she would give her a, a Bible. And so I, I gave her the abbreviated version and I said, tell her you'll take her Bible if she'll buy your friend's nails. <laughs> enterprising <laughs> incredible that's that's pretty good <laughs> that's awesome an exchange you know tip for tip yep. mm -hmm. <laughs> you'll join her group if she joins ours <laughs> nice <laughs> so needless to say guys out there if you guys like to have your nails done and you can't because of you know we're all trying to social distance and uh, you are looking for a stylist. A stylist is yep. Kristen here, and she has all sorts of wonderful colors. And like I said, like I do not like glitter, and I am so in love with these. And like yeah. I said, I mean they are long lasting, and I put them to the test. I know, and I, you know, I wasn't gonna hold back. I was gonna go all the way, you know. Like next time I yeah. might gardening with no, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I've <laughs> I've already did, done that for the. Because of quarantine and everything, I used to garden a lot, but then I stopped when I started college uh, and stuff like that, and that distracted me. I couldn't put as much attention into my plants and everything, and the garden that we had kind of uh, was overgrown and stuff like that. But with quarantine, I'm 
back at it again and i have quite a few plants uh growing as well oh that's cool well you both need to come and do my backyard because it's atrocious <laughs> it's like a jungle back there but um if anyone's interested i actually my store is geek girl nails and all you have to go do is go to geekgirlnails.com i purchased the url to just make it easy oh my so god Chris. Yep. <laughs> oh wow kristen i didn't know you went Damn, that far <laughs> you went all out Wow. Yeah. Okay. Incredible. Yes, I, I did because the girl at the post office saw my nails and she was asking me and I was like, how do I tell, I told Eddie, how do I, I don't know how to tell people how to find me because she's not my friend and I didn't have, I, I'm brand new to this, so I didn't have anything to give to her. He's like, oh, I have an idea. He's, and he's like, let's see if, if this is available. So we bought the URL and so now I just can, um, Tell people that I meet or ask mm -hmm. on the street that I don't know, just tell them real easy to go to geekgirlnails.com. Yeah, that is super cool. <laughs> that is, that's very smart, actually. That that's is cool. I know. Eddie says, see, I'm good for something sometimes. Oh, <laughs> <Aww. laughs> <Aww. That's laughs> speaking, uh, speaking of Eddie, today is Sunday and I saw his uh, web comic that came out today. I know. And it made mm -hmm. me sad a little bit me because the, the topic on his uh, web comic today was that there's no Comic Con. Yeah. So it just. So that was going to be this week, starting Wednesday through the weekend, I believe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in my history and my memories, uh, all these memories of Comic Con's past yep. starts to resurface the little videos, the pictures everything so yeah i'm really missing comic-con but uh kristen i know eddie is going to be on a panel because they're doing uh, panels uh, yes. remotely uh, mm -hmm. is that through zoom uh i don't know what uh, interface they used because they actually he recorded it a couple of weeks ago so um but so it's not going to be live it's just something that um will go up and then people can watch it whenever they want but um i don't know how it was but it's um is it true that that just anybody can watch these panels you don't have to have had comic-con tickets i believe so oh nice that is super cool so you wait, guys wait wait what uh, run by that run that by me again so you're <laughs> you're able to see the panels that they have been recording you don't have to have had purchased uh, comic-con tickets to oh. see them so they're available for everyone if they wanted to search it out. So uh, we'll be sharing, I guess, a link to see if there are panels that you guys are interested in looking at. I know Fanbase Press has one. I know Henry Barajas has another one. Uh, Sebastian Kidlegic is going to be on the Fanbase Press one. So And uh, Doctora Teresa Rojas oh, is going right. to be on one of them. Yes. Hers is really cool. It is how to incorporate comics in um, education. And... It's, it sounds very cool. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll put a link to that to see if you guys are interested. It's always awesome. You always learn new things and sometimes even answer your questions on a lot of people think alike or feel that they have the same struggles. So that stuff uh, is usually addressed in, on the panel. So it's really uh, educational. And um, I really highly recommend you search those out. So guys, what's the chisme de la semana this semana? Well... <laughs> We have kind of, uh, I have two things in that uh, this is going to be like pretty serious uh, achievement. Uh, first one is a more recent one. Uh, as of recording this uh, two days ago uh, on July 17th, uh, Congressman John 
Lewis passed away. And he is, uh, well, he's best known for being a congressman, of course, but also he marched with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And he's a very strong proponent of the civil rights movement and was still fighting for civil rights uh, up to his passing away. And uh, he, but what also uh, a lot of people might not know is that he actually wrote a comic book. Mm -hmm. uh, detailing his uh, life and experiences uh, for uh, the, the civil rights movement called March. And it was three books. And I believe uh, books one and three both won Eisner Awards. Wow. Uh, and it is a very moving book. So there, uh, there's, of course, there was a lot of people uh, coming out and uh, saying their condolences and like um, uh, sharing stories and stuff like that about uh, Congressman Lewis. Uh, but two people, Ted Cruz and I think Marco Rubio, both posted pictures of a different senator saying that it was John Lewis. Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah. Another oh. black man? Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Mm -hmm. What yeah. the hell? Oh, yeah. Geez. I yeah, didn't know was, that. Yep. So that, uh, that happened, of course, the internet drag them uh yeah. to hell and back yep yeah i can imagine uh, i missed it so, darn <laughs> yeah i, gotta I mean go no back. it's <laughs> it's it's still ongoing yeah. uh, a lot of people have uh dragged them but um uh congressman lewis passed on the same day as fellow civil rights leader uh, reverend cordy tyndall ct vivian who was 95 uh and they both worked alongside martin luther king uh jr in the 60s um he doesn't he doesn't have a comic but i think this is a good time to like you know uh especially with what's going on now of course march is an incredibly uh beautiful moving comic mm -hmm. that definitely deserves those eisner awards uh and there's of course a lot of detailed information it's very uh it, some teachers are even using it to teach about the civil rights movement as well so i highly recommend uh everyone pick that up if they don't already know that and i believe um uh henry uh actually was motivated in part to yeah. make la, uh, la voz de maya de maya tata rambo because of congressman lewis's book march and just the positive reception that he got for that as well yeah mm -hmm. Isn't it uh, awesome that we know somebody who was like directly touched and inspired by this to create their own comic book? I think that's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely incredible. So it's it just goes to show that uh, comic books can be used for more than just, you know, capes, uh, your regular capes and types stuff. They can be educational as well and definitely uh, can be used as uh, autobiographical as mm -hmm. March was done. Uh, second yeah. piece of cheese, man. This one's a bit older, but it still should not be uh, any less relevant. It is about the sexual misconduct that has uh, been going on in the comic books industry. And a lot of people were accused. And this was actually, the, the accusations were their strongest in June when a very popular artist slash model uh, came out and uh, against Cameron Stewart, uh, one of the people who helped relaunch the Batgirl after New 52. Uh, and she accused him of, um, uh, she was 16 when he met her, when she met him, uh, or he met her and he was basically a child predator. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
he he basically groomed younger women to go out with him and stuff like that and he was she was 16 and he was like 30 something when they wow. met uh and he i believe he still has his account on private he hasn't said anything uh but he was after she came out and said this uh on twitter there was just a whole bunch more people were accused as well and it kind of became a broader subject but then all of a sudden that kind of quieted down because it's like you know, it's twitter stuff goes by fast right. uh but uh i was thinking about it and it's been on my mind a lot as well uh that the reason uh what a lot of these women said was that a lot of them knew or had heard about it that it was an open secret mm-hmm. in the comic yeah. book world and that uh there's this culture of silence in the comic book industry uh Cameron Stewart was actually quietly taken off of a DC Comics project so he is uh i don't know if he's still working for them but he was taken off of a future project or like uh, what's going on there mm-hmm. um Warren Ellis was also accused and he actually came out with a kind of an apology it didn't really quote, read like quote. one though. You're right yeah. exactly quote, unquote, yeah apology yeah and it's just uh that was really devastating to hear because he was he he was well known as kind of like a uh uh among the industry is like really cool and he's like usually found like really great talent and stuff like that and mm-hmm. he was he is a pretty good storyteller but that shouldn't uh be kind of a like thing to be like give him a free pass it never is a reason to give him a free pass uh another person who was also accused was Jason Latour the co-creator of Spider-Gwen I know I saw yeah. that and I was like oh mm-hmm. like when I saw that I was like is nothing sacred right right none, none, none of these people know how to act honestly <sighs> I don't I don't think they do do you think I and um I'm sorry to cut you off but do you think mm-hmm. it's because like they spent most of their times as quote unquote geeks and you know being in the geek culture when it wasn't popular they didn't have a healthy um development of how to treat you know um females is I mean I don't know I'm trying to f- find I don't a- think so let me first of all if that was the case then uh, then I for I for certain would be like all up in this and stuff like that. And, and I you know what? I'm perfectly fine. I know respect. Uh right. But it's it's definitely I think a power thing. It's 100% a power thing. Yes. And that was one of the things in Warren Ellis's apology that said that he didn't know how big he was when he when he was doing this or whatever. But I was just like why were you doing it in the first place? Right. It's it's a serious thing. Um And then another person that was accused was also Scott Ali who has worked mm-hmm. uh in Dark Horse and specifically in like the Hellboy titles a lot as yeah. well. And in this one actually Mike uh Mignola the creator of Hellboy cut all ties with him. Wow. Uh, and so of everyone to get like a very strong repercussion right. Scott Ali was the most and I think it was because someone as big as Mike Mignola basically denouncing him right. really mm-hmm. kind of hammered it in. So Dark Horse cut all ties with him as well. The thing is Warren Ellis after his apology or he would call it that hasn't suffered any real consequences. He it's kind of been brushed under the rug uh a bit and it's kind of like okay. So like kind of there's this question of of what's acceptable 
in the comic books industry and the fact that there's this strong cultural silence and the fact that I wanted to speak about it more and I was I almost didn't because I was just like well it's kind of over but that shouldn't really be something that should stop me and another thing it's kind of feeds into that whole cultural silence uh Mm -hmm. thing as well so this is me bringing it up and trying to keep it relevant as well that this stuff shouldn't be forgotten and that we should support these women who have suffered at the hands of these men as well yeah Yeah. and i think you're doing an amazing thing because um these women didn't come out for years and there was that whole period of time that nobody was really talking about it and even if like you said the news has died down bringing it up is keeping it relevant and that's almost like how they suffered in silence for so long i mean Mm -hmm. um you know she was 16 uh that one young lady so um yeah let's keep talking about it let's keep this conversation going like as soon as Mm -hmm. stuff comes up let's just let the public know because this is unacceptable we're not gonna stand behind and Mm -hmm. keep this silent any longer and I think us especially you Jen who have so Mm -hmm. much passion when you talk about this um I think we should keep it relevant what were you gonna say I'm sorry uh oh uh, what I was gonna say is um I guarantee you that uh, there are still other survivors out there who haven't spoken up and maybe will choose to never speak up. And for every voice that we hear, I guarantee you that there are others out there that have also suffered um, from these same men and also from other people who haven't been pointed out yet. Um, and Jen is 100% absolutely right that it's all about power and control. And in a uh, industry that is still predominantly male dominated. Um, I think that the culture made was one that made it super just easy to um, to kind of just hide uh, within and behind um, because um, it, it's been said over and over again that it's kind of like a, an old boys club type thing. And um, I I really admire the women who have spoken up because it's not an easy thing to do at all so um, i I definitely want to be able to continue this conversation and and bring awareness to it for sure yeah because i mean a lot of women have to come out on their own time they they're not on anybody else's clock Mm-hmm. Or not on anybody mm-hmm. else's timeline they have to come out when they're ready when they're ready to tell their story and i want and i hope they know that we're going to stand behind them and when they're ready to come out you know we will also use this platform to speak on this subject so we review we are going to review a book today guys what are yeah. we reviewing today straight into the book from that <laughs> yeah you just leap right in we just gotta go we, got, we gotta keep going guys <laughs> keep moving forward <laughs> oh no but still i still feel a little yeah i'm serious like i wanted to take a little time but it just uh you know this is an audio platform so we can't take a moment <laughs> <laughs> i mean we well, can. i think it's i think it's um also valuable for us to uh in a uh in when we post um this particular episode to include a trigger warning and to also talk about where people can go to for help and support um because there's there's never an excuse for sexual assault um Mm -hmm. it's never the victim's fault and there are organizations out there that you can go to for help and support yeah no definitely thank you definitely 
we'll definitely post domestic abuse hotlines and stuff like that as well because it is important we can't just also talk about it we should also like post links and uh how to support women like that even if right now most of what i want to do with support is showing like yes i'm still thinking about this right yes your voice still matters yes i still remember this and uh if uh that this should not be forgotten absolutely thank you girls we definitely so. will <laughs> so now let's leaf right in to what our podcast is about and that is reviewing comics yes so, so we actually have uh two books today from the same series and the series is called new york versus the world and this was actually brought to us through was it instagram somebody yes. reached out to us yes. okay um the writer um i know that you had some Yes, the writer is back and forth. Yeah, JD Rosario is the writer and creator. He is also um, the uh, the co-owner, co-creator of Unstoppable Comics, which is yes. the publishing company he published this New York versus the world under. And I actually met JD Rosario in Nertino and Pennsylvania. Oh, so oh. you actually met him in person. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. he, <laughs> he actually was attending the panel on how to make a successful Kickstarter for your comic, but oh, he wasn't, nice. he wasn't on the panel. He was in oh, the audience. Oh, he was just attending. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, but we, uh, the, the panel was so small, we got a chance to talk and stuff. Uh -huh. uh, so, mm -hmm. I mean, he was telling me all, he's published several comic books already. He actually gifted us a trade paperback, which I have to go back and find. <laughs> Sorry, In a guys. Big pile. In a big pile. <laughs> Sorry, no. Um, and so, but this, but this time he reached out to us, kind of like refreshing my memory. And he said, you know, I have this new comic, uh, which has a second issue, which is New York versus the world. And he said it's about zombies. And we were like, oh, another book about zombies. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, as always, we are pleasantly surprised. So, okay, so Kristen. the story's premise is that it's been 15 years since the zombie apocalypse, and New York is the very last place on Earth for humanity to go and, like, be safe. So when corpses first started rising from the grave, those left alive in New York had far too much trouble with the dead roaming the island. So... Overwhelmed by zombies coming from other boroughs, they decided to blow up the bridges and flood the tunnels so that basically New York was inaccessible uh, by land through any other thing. Um, they used the water around Manhattan as a natural defense and nothing could get in or out of the island. That's when they started clearing the dead from the streets. With the city free and clear, New York has started to rebuild and is accepting survivors from around the world. Now that the gates are open, New Yorkers are constantly reminded of the infection coming back. They will protect their home furiously to keep it from ever spreading again. So that is the story's premise. Um, and uh, we read the first two issues. So I don't know if those are the only ones that are in existence or not as of yet, but that's what we were able to read. Uh, yes, those are the only two issues available right now on that series. Um, they're working on issue three. Um, and uh, you can find those comics at unstoppablecomics.com. You can follow them on Instagram on, at, at unstoppablecomics. Um, 
But the first issue, guys, it doesn't start off necessarily on the island. It starts off in a boat. Yes. And uh, the boat is uh, carrying several survivors that they're going to take into Manhattan, but they, it's not a straight line. So what happens is they actually have to work in order to get into the island. And the work is actually clearing other zombies that are existing outside the borders. Um, and after they complete certain amount of hours, their family and themselves get to go into Manhattan. But conveniently enough, they were not told this before they got on the boat. Exactly. So there are <laughs> families of people on this boat and there are certain criteria they have to clear and there are certain rules they have for the people that when they do dock, they have to follow certain rules in order for them to clear them to go on land. Otherwise, if they don't clear these rules, they dispose of the whole boat. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and this story actually is... Uh, kind of moving because like the main character that you're seeing is like the dad, his son, uh, the brother, right? And the mom. Um, and um, so you're reading about the uh, the, um, the relationship, the, the dad and the son are talking about New York and stuff like that. And it's kind of really touching. It's a father and son kind of thing. But then everything goes to shit. <laughs> and, it a fan. Yes, okay. it totally does. The moment that they were like, where's mom? I was like, oh, no. She's got the Rona. <laughs> yeah, she's got, she's got the Rona. I was just, as soon as they said it, like, like yeah, once they said like, oh, your mom's not feeling too well, I was just like, oh, she's infected. Yeah. That's how it goes. So, uh, zombie fix uh, and stuff like that, it's, uh, honestly, it takes quite a lot to impress me now because it's yes. just, it's very predictable uh or you can at least guess some plot points and it's not that it's a bad thing there's certain tropes to zombie fix and comics and stuff like that that uh like even though i can predict them they're still fun to read and this was definitely still very fun to read um but you can i don't really feel bad about talking about some of the points in the book because it's just a, like once you once you read it you're kind of like oh i know what's gonna happen uh kind of thing yeah uh so the first book follows a very kind of predictable pattern for most comic, uh, for most zombie comics or zombie fiction and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Uh, they're on a boat. They're going somewhere they presume is safe. Uh, somebody on board the boat is infected. And of course, that immediately starts spreading and it must be wiped out. The one that caught me by surprise was book two. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that one was uh yeah. that one was uh, that one was something else. That one is just like that one I won't reveal too much but that it, issue number 2 is definitely has a more one two quick punch uh turnaround than that first book. So uh, it's uh nothing not to diss the first book but it, it cuz it was it was still entertaining. It was really it was pretty good. It was drawn well. Uh even though it's kind of predictable in its uh story format it still had me like quickly invested in this character uh and that's mostly what you want to do but that second book really impressed me uh with how it went uh, there, of course there was still like some predictability to it like once uh once uh, the um uh, basically that second character that was introduced I was just all like, uh, like I knew, I knew he was crazy. Like you got, <laughs> you gotta be crazy uh, when you're introduced like that. Uh, 
but I didn't realize how crazy until like uh, until like halfway through the book uh, when they gave him like the really crazy face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't want to give too much away on that one, but that really was really great storytelling and the art really lends itself to it. Um, all right, so yeah, the second issue had a surprised ending and I don't want to give anything away because it was like, oh my, okay, oh my God. And also to, we have to note <laughs> is that this is not a book for young readers. This is definitely a mature readers comic book. So, uh, so if your kid likes zombie books, don't uh, please make sure to read it before you give it to them. I had. I mean, so if you give your kid people, Walking Dead, right? I was gonna say yeah. I had so many parents come into the shop and be like, "My nine-year-old wants to read Walking Dead," and I'd be like, um, "I don't think that it's appropriate." And they'd be like, "No, it's fine." I'm like, "Okay, okay." Yeah. <laughs> Some of them were like, "Okay," or they had the stipulation: so long as it doesn't have any sex or sex. Nudity. Yeah, sex was I was there. like, "Oh, but violence and gore is okay." Got it. Decapitation, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Sex, no. I'm like, "There's yeah. rape. There's oh, brutal rape. Does ah. that count?" Oh snap! Jesus fucking Christ. Um, but uh, as far as the second book goes, yes, I was not um expecting that but um also I agree with what Jen was saying as far as like when it comes to zombie books you know a lot of the tropes are the same um Mm -hmm. same in the movies and I'm sorry New York versus the world that (laughs) Robert Kirkman and Walking Dead came out a long time ago and for me every single zombie book that I'll ever read for my entire life will be compared to that and so even the surprise ending at the end of issue two was nothing new for me because Walking Dead has been doing that kind of thing since the beginning. So yeah. um, I feel like um, even though there was some things that were uh, uh, like shock and awe, um, it wasn't new for me. And then Sarah, you mentioned that, and I don't know if this is something that you read somewhere or in a conversation you had, but each issue is like a one-shot issue, or how did they intend it to be? That's the feeling I got from reading both of Yeah, no, that's what I meant. Was like I felt that, I mean, we were reading about uh, the main character was the dad and his son, and then then came the other son and the wife. But mainly we were presented with that main character. And I thought he was going to be like mm-hmm. our um, our main character that we were going to follow. The protagonist. Throughout. Yeah, the protagonist. And then things shifted in the second issue. So I'm thinking that are they all going to be like different stories about this apocalyptic setting? Yeah. Uh, so that I'm- was that was okay. another thing for me is that I didn't know as the reader where to put my... Hope. my hopes and dreams <laughs> uh-huh. my hopes and dreams but, yeah I didn't know like who, who my who my protagonist was like who am I supposed to follow here and so um and I know we're trying not to give anything away but I guess anybody listening is gonna guess whatever but like at the end of issue two I was like well fuck that <laughs> <laughs> what so- am I doing here <laughs> I just so, wasted um, all my all my life on these first two issues, and this is where I'm at. 
Yeah, because so, things shifted completely in a different direction mm -hmm. in the second issue, which I do not want to give away. But I really love the artwork and how it tells the story along with the writing of this comic. And I think it's really well paced. I think some somewhere somehow there was an editor involved because it just it reads really, really well. What mm -hmm. were you going to say, Jen? Oh, uh, I was going to say the issue number two establish something for me one it seems to be this is going to be told in uh miniature story arcs because that was uh, definitely issues one and two were one story arc focused on uh this family specifically the father uh and uh but uh uh regardless to say that story arc definitely ended uh um uh, but that made the title uh, stand out for me more. New York versus the world. So it, I don't think it's going to be focused on a singular individual. Uh, it's going to be focused on New York City. So uh, that's our main character. That our main makes character more yeah. sense and it actually makes me a lot more forgiving for all the anger I felt. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's going to focus on the lives that are living inside New York City or that want to get into New York City. Yeah. So basically uh, with that ending it definitely established I think that our protagonist is the city of New York itself uh, and who and the lives that uh, are living there. It's in a in a way it's uh, yeah it's definitely a post-apocalyptic story uh in that uh the most intriguing thing about this is that there is definitely there's like there is a bastion and the bastion is new york city most of most zombie stuff that we've read has uh like has either focuses on a protagonist and this protagonist trying to create a safe zone or like looking for other survivors and stuff like that and they're journey through this uh zombie apocalypse and stuff like that uh so that's one thing that immediately already stands out that it's it's established that mm -hmm. new york city is the bastion that mm -hmm. they have cleared the streets and they're doing everything possible to protect it uh and that there are certain uh there's definitely an establishment of law and order uh based on the second book uh uh but in a way it's intriguing because he wasn't processed as you would with most uh, criminals. There's definitely a sense of law and order, but it's kind of skewed in a manner of speaking because uh, the question arrives, okay, so then what is the most unforgivable uh, crime you can do in New York City if what this man did is does not count apparently to be locked up, to be locked up instead he has to be isolated. Well. I was gonna say because they weren't in New York yet. He was no, still they trying to. He, I don't know. Where, I, he called it they something, but Staten it was Island, full full mm -hmm. of people who either were trying to get in or had been kicked out. But we also what we also have to look at the fact that in the first issue, there was a boat and there was a specific man who had a specific job yes. to clear the bodies from uh -huh. washing ashore because they can reanimate. Right. So, um, mm -hmm. so there's that point where you said they're at Staten Island getting rid of the bodies. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there's definitely several levels before you actually get into New York. Right. That's what they were saying. Like where he was at is where the people who that is their job are at. But then mm -hmm. I, I remember a part of the conversation. It was like, but also, you know, um, there was uh, there's people here who who 
either they out. left or they got kicked out or whatever because i i thought i remember him saying well what do you have to do to get kicked out and then and then we see <laughs> yeah and yeah then this man's crimes were revealed <laughs> yeah uh, which i think so. i and i think it's a sense of jail like you don't want to put them in jail in new york because they're taking up resources so they just yeah. leave them out there to fend for them to their own devices and, see, yeah. if, and that's more like of a torture because like if you they just kill them yeah you could just kill them but if but you then get they just become a problem for you yeah. because yeah but or they could take because or they could be so twisted that they take out a lot of zombies so they're kind of doing a job i don't know mm -hmm. but, yeah it depends it it's kind of like a like okay so like what is it uh revolves around like one is there not do they not have enough people to be uh doing this stuff uh well i know it definitely took a took a hit if, from what we can see but like i if it was if someone did something like what this person said i would just be like you know what he's not even worth the trouble like yeah he's well, yeah like and that actually, that morality question comes up a lot in these zombie books and storylines, mm -hmm. TV and, I'm sorry, uh, movie and books. Um, in a lawless, for all intents and purposes, lawless land, how mm -hmm. do you keep a, a lawful society? Like you mm -hmm. see that in Walking Dead with the governor, you see it with Negan, like, where there's this like morality question of like it would be just so easy to just kill them but mm -hmm. then at the same time they're a human being and so um, and at a certain point they're still performing uh, a public service a too. function a yeah. function yeah so a public right. service <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you're, you're right i mean at one point do you just say okay i give up on this human being and kill him or mm -hmm. do they stay in their in their i mm -hmm. guess respective job and contribute somehow mm -hmm. that kind of thing yeah and that yeah. definitely is something that is present in this comic book and i really like i said i really like the artwork um i like the, oh, the, art, the artwork is phenomenal yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty really good yeah it's pretty awesome i really loved it um so you got, do you guys have anything else to add on the story uh not on the story, but I know you had mentioned about the creators. Um, and I yes. want to, we haven't actually specifically said that the creators are actually Latino. Um, JD Rosario is um, Puerto Rican and Andres Barrero um, is Colombian. So um, just wanted to put that out there. I don't want to make any assumptions based on last name. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, J J yeah. JD Rosario, who is the writer, he has written comic books for the last 10 years, uh, self-publishing the comic books. This is his 15th Kickstarter campaign uh, and 13 of which have been successful. That's great. Um, and that's okay, so based on those statistics alone i'm gonna have to say that this book is going somewhere good that will um like it, it'll get itself back into my good graces <laughs> obviously there will, he knows what there, he's doing there will he's be a good payoff writer. Mm -hmm. yes, yes. <laughs> but i was very salty at the end of it shoot too. I, if, if i would have had a physical copy i would have thrown it across the room. how dare you do this to the main character <laughs> main character can nada to me <laughs> um, 
And uh, also, I'd like to add that Unstoppable Comics was launched in May 29th of 2008. So he's been around for a oh, while. Wow. Yeah. Um, he has written uh, comic books for his Unstoppable Comics publishing company, such as Shield of the Interceptor, The, Stomach, the Storm Chasers, Unstoppable Origins, and Dragon Storm. So, and then uh, we have the colorist is Michael Summers. And uh, an illustrator is Andres Barrero, and another illustrator is Craig Shepard. And all of these creators and colorists and illustrators have at some time worked with Unstoppable Comics. So he has a, um, he has a working relationship with these uh, artists and illustrators mm -hmm. and colorists. Um, so they, I guess, you know, like you actually need a, um, a long, I mean, you don't need to, but it helps to have a relationship um, that has spanned some time in order to create something, uh, not only swiftly, but the way you envisioned your project to be. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. Coordination and communication are very much needed in comic books. Absolutely agreed. And I think I can't wait to see what's coming in issue three. I love I, I love the roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> well, I definitely um, after talking about it more, excuse me. Uh, I definitely want to see how the story unfolds, because um, when you just you, all we had was two issues. And I'm sure that there is a lot more of what um, JD wants to do with the story. And I'm interested. Uh, Post-apocalyptic stories are like my thing. I really enjoy them. Um, and I am interested to see if, uh, if, I can, uh, if I can fall in love with it just as much as you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'd like to add I'm that the comic book. intrigued. I want to see where it goes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, I also want to point out this this comic book is in black and white. So mm -hmm. um, I, I really like when um, pop, uh, like zombie comics are in black and white because it kind of like get your imagination going on like the guts and the gore and everything. So I really enjoy that. So are we ready to rate this comic? Sure. I'll let yeah. you guys go first. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to go first because it can only go up from here. I'm going to give it two conchas for all the reasons that I said, but with an asterisk that I'm going to continue reading. And um, at the end of it all, um, we'll give it a overall uh, review because, again, two issues is kind of hard to um, to to judge is what I'm I guess I can say the entire story but I also love the art um I it was very um very detailed and engrossing um because I did look at it I even had to go back and like look at some things and look at the pictures um and like the scenes where the person is like cleaning the bodies out of the water was like very well done um so um, I, mine is two conchas with an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. What about you, Jen? Um, I think I'm going to give it one and a half conchas. Uh, mostly oh, because... See, you should have gone first. <laughs> just be like that. Uh, mostly because, yeah, uh, two issues isn't really much to tell. I like the art. Um, um, 
I'm not as in, impressed with the predictability of issue number one. Uh, issue number two was more interesting, but uh, I myself am kind of a little bored with zombie comics uh, and just how much they are. It's going to have to do something like terribly impressive. So I don't know if it was my own assumptions or not. We'll get, we'll see if there's an issue number three uh, with if this is actually focusing on New York City itself and how they establish that. Uh, I'm more interested in that aspect than anything, but uh, I mostly am like mildly intrigued with the book. Uh, it's definitely not something I would have picked up, uh, but I don't regret reading it. It's, uh, it's just enough to keep me interested. So one and a half conchas. Okay, cool, fair. <clears throat> I am gonna give it three conchas because I really enjoyed the artwork and the story. Um, mm -hmm. I have not read The Walking Dead, so I have not been tainted <laughs> by that. Uh, <laughs> 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 no, I'm just, I'm joking. But a lot of the stuff I keep hearing is like how The Walking Dead is kind of like what everything else is gonna be compared to. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that it, I love the ending of issue two, loved it. I was like, oh my God, like, wow. What else are you gonna bring to the table? Cause I'm interested. Um, and I like how uh, Jen was explaining that uh, New York will be mm -hmm. what we feel is gonna be the main character. So yeah. I like that. Um, and I, it, it, if that's the case, then we'll see different uh, parts of the city and how they are coping with the apocalypse and you know trying to survive uh, kind of thing so that I really enjoyed I like I said I really love the art I enjoyed the story I had what the fuck moments which I loved and so <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm excited I would rather read it all the way through so hopefully like there is talks about maybe a trade paperback in the future because mm -hmm. I this type of story with different uh, character settings I I would love to read as a straight through yeah so that yeah. Uh, but I'm really like I said I had what the fuck moments so like I'm giving it three conchas and I just want to clarify that um, when I'm referring to Walking Dead I'm definitely referring to the comic I used to watch the show but the comic is um, what I'm comparing it to just to clarify that's yeah. right <laughs> <laughs> all right guys so that has been our book review and rating thank you guys all right guys so now it's time for on my radar and on my radar is uh keanu reeves is co-writing a comic book called berserker i don't know if you guys heard no. about that yeah I, I think i briefly saw something about that but then i wasn't i i got distracted by something else because twitter yeah. Uh, but please enlighten <laughs> me. I, I love Keanu Reeves. So yeah, what's he got for us? Yeah, the main character actually looks exactly like Keanu. Uh, <laughs> and I just totally cannot wait to read it. Uh, Berserker is about an immortal man who has been wandering the earth for centuries, getting recruited by the U.S. government to go on, on top missions. Now I'm wondering, does it mean top secret missions or just top missions? Anyway, it's a hyper-violent action epic starring an indestructible rage machine clearly modeled after Keanu Reeves himself. Um, so what I'm thinking is like, okay, so he's a machine. He's not a human, or is he? It's an immortal man, but it's 
then they say about an indestructible machine. So I'm a little confused. So I want to I want to read more about that. It's a 12 issue series, um, and it's uh, he's working with Mark Kent from Boom Studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so oh. Mark Kent, uh, I think his most one of his most prominent works is Mind Management yeah. from Dark Horse. It's a Dark Horse original. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's actually really good. And he usually only prints in like recycled newspaper yeah. uh, based comics. I love so the way they feel. Yeah, they're, they're really, really good. And he's written a couple of other stuff. But the stuff that I know him most about, uh, know him most for is uh, Mind Management. So this is going to be a boom book, right? Yeah. Dark boom Horse? Studios. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. Uh, that's actually that's pretty cool. Um, I, I like Mankin. Uh, like his work. Uh, it's it's really interesting. So I want to see where this goes. Honestly, when I first saw it, I thought uh, it was going to be something about Berserk, the the manga, and that Keanu was going to be doing something about that. Uh, but no, it's just his own original stuff. Uh, it kind of sounds like like he's a cyborg or something, or that's, yeah, maybe, we, or it, maybe or maybe it's just like that's how they're using him they're using to describe him as like this like super like strong dude who's like an indestructible machine or whatever it could be just a descriptor uh as well uh it'd be cool if he was a cyborg it tie it tie into the video game he's he was uh, <laughs> he's gonna come out in cyberpunk uh so that that would be interesting uh but either way it sounds cool I saw something referred to that. I didn't read any of the articles, but I saw someone referring to cyberpunk in relation to this story. Oh, nice, mm. nice. Yeah, and the cool thing is, um, you know, he's a comic book reader, so yep. uh, mm. so that that is, you know, that's really, I think that is important, I think, for me, like, for people who create Show comic me books. your collection. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, uh, I, I kind of need for you to read comic books you know, to actually create a comic book. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys. Yeah. And no, it I, does make sense. I mean, you you gotta, you've got you gotta to be a do fan. your research before mm -hmm. you, no matter what your craft is, you need to do your research and 100% you, you should be reading comics if you're writing comics. Yeah, that's, you know, that's how I feel. Like, I, I, I feel like if I know that you're a comic book reader, then I feel like we're kind of kindred in some sense. And so for you to read, uh, make a comic book, it makes me want to read your comic book. So, yeah. and, and the cool thing, it's a 12 issue series. So it's not like gonna be ongoing or anything like that. So yeah. it's definitely something we could pick up as a trade eventually. So um, yeah, keep that on your radar. I don't have any information on when it's gonna come out, um, but, but just keep it on your radar. Anything else on you guys' radar? I have something on my radar that actually is from back in the day, um, but it's available for you guys to find, um, I'm assuming, I didn't actually look up um, on Diamond, but in 2010, uh, Daredevil slash Matt Murdock had some issues. Um, not comic book <laughs> issues, but issues in life. Like he overtook the hand, and tried to use it for good. Um, and then he somehow got, uh, he killed Bullseye, um, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, and then after some other worry, crazy thing, <laughs> after some <laughs> crazy thing, he actually got possessed by a demonic entity. 
as one should looks ladies and gentlemen yeah. um so during all of this in comic books as they do he got better um he kicked the demon out and he's like i need some r and r so he goes away but it's like i can't just leave hell's kitchen here by itself i need to have someone come and basically take over for me so who do you think that he asks uh not luke cage not iron fist not jessica jones he gets freaking black panther t'challa from wakanda to come and basically take over for him while he goes and drinks margaritas on a beach somewhere wakanda forever oh, <laughs> that storyline came onto my radar because um the interior art of a lot of this arc is by francesco francovia and i freaking love his art so amazing so iconic whenever you see it you know without even reading the 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 bylines of uh, who the creator is that it's him um he uses a lot of oranges and and blacks and tones within those palettes and his art is just very like when you see it you know and so um there's a lot of really cool covers that um there are on this uh arc this story arc but he also did some interiors and so i um got some of the single issues just from the shop that i came across the other day and i'm going to read them just on the art alone but the storyline too is just freaking like it's comics uh 101 <laughs> all in one so mm -hmm. um it was on my radar and i thought i would share that because um it's kind of interesting it's kind of cool to go back and see what your favorite characters were up to back in the day mm -hmm. yeah and that sounds like a lot of fun i mean i don't even uh, yes. ever, ever knew that that even happened yeah i uh, guess 2010 so back in the day ah. <laughs> Uh, 2020 oh, has been 10 years long so <laughs> you know what fair yeah fair yeah, that is i feel i feel like i'm like 80 or something this yeah. freaking uh this year has been so long yeah. yes yes most definitely well that is some great on my radar most definitely thank you guys for sharing that and now it's time for juntos y fuertes guys and to bring you juntos y fuertes is Kristen. Yes, so today on my Juntos y Fuertes is uh, an organization slash, um, what do you call it, website called Black Door. Now, not to be confused with Back Door, <laughs> Black Door, <laughs> the color black and door. <laughs> and, um, you can go Incredible. to open the Black Door. <laughs> I bet you there's a website out there called Open the Back Door too. Oh, absolutely. To <laughs> yeah. Of course. But um, Open the Black Door um, takes you to an online platform that exposes businesses and entrepreneurs to a diversely qualified pool of creative freelancers and helps creatives of color find opportunities, resources, and each other. So you can go to this website. You can upload your um, portfolio you can um, go on there and network with other creators of color and um, if you're looking for creators of color um, that you want to include into the work that you're working on they also have a section where you can go to to hire talent so um, it's 
very, very um, cool resource for people. And um, I think that um, I had never heard of it before. And it just happened to randomly pop up on my Facebook feed. And so I went to it and, you know, looked up what it was about. But I think it's a great, um, it's a great idea and a, a great place to be able to go. And because I, you know, you hear one of the main um, excuses that um, the industries give is there aren't any creators nice. of color. Oh, <laughs> shit. I don't I feel like, like if anything, I feel like if anything, our podcast has single-handedly decided to upturn this theory up on its head because yeah. we have certainly gone to enough conventions and reviewed enough books with enough talent. Like, we're, like apparently all these uh, small companies, independent companies are taking up all the talent if they can't get them and no wonder their work's a lot better right but but it's true like i'm i feel like they're not trying hard enough to find them um and like Mm -hmm. as we said last episode how disney is searching for like these highly defined uh qualifications to create and be true to this character um that i feel like anybody can do that and i think this website is uh, really helpful for people that may have an excuse and say, "Oh well, I didn't, I couldn't find a uh, a female colorist, or I couldn't find a Latinx uh, or biracial writer." You know, like, you know, uh, we're definitely creating our own spaces and saying, "No, here we are." Mm-hmm. You're just not mm-hmm. looking hard enough. You're not trying hard enough. Yeah, yeah. and um, the there's black is in the name of the website and of the company but they specifically say that they are providing these services for black and brown creators great great well thank you so much for actually bringing this to the table so that if there are people out there who are searching for a colorist or a letter or an inker or whatever they have somewhere to go aside from all Mm -hmm. these wonderful also wonderful uh, groups on Facebook that have been, um, um, uh, what is it called, that they've been asking other people to join and just word and, you know, uh, so I think that's amazing. I think we are creating our own spaces and F everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, any, anything else that you, uh, you already talked about the website, right? Uh, Uh Open the black door. I just wanted you to say it again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for saludos. And saludos goes out to El Muerto Casa del Diablo. Yay. The preview. Yeah. They, uh, or him, Javier Hernandez, has um, actually, as the last time I checked on it, was he reached his $5,414 goal. Um, and nice. he had, uh, as of the last time I checked, he had 115 backers. Wow. Um, I actually saw an Instagram video where he was offering this specific package. Um, and while he was talking about the package, package on Instagram live, somebody bought the package. Oh, and wow. I thought that was so amazing. So, that is. So thanks everybody who contributed to his kickstarter he is a, an amazing writer and we all love diego he's just amazing so um thank you guys for making that happen because that wouldn't have happened without the listeners and people who support indie comic books so saludos to javier for reaching his goal and saludos to everybody out there who helped him accomplish this goal absolutely yeah cool. all Congrats right to him yeah definitely and if i had my applause 
uh, <laughs> it would be going off now. But um, thank you guys for sticking with us. And also wanted to let you guys know that uh, we have a YouTube channel out and it's Comadres y Comics Podcast. We have our very first, like we said at the beginning of the episode, our very first uh, video up and we will continue to post videos of Las Platicas. So please uh, look for that. Um, also, we are asking for our listeners to give us a review on um, iTunes or uh, iPodcast. Uh, Music for Apple Podcasts or something like that. Apple, I know. Apple Music or Apple. Apple po- <laughs> anyway, I know that you have to log on with your Apple. Whatever iTunes used to be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we are working on a, a whole page ad on a comic book, and we want to include some of the reviews from iTunes. So if you would like to be included on print, um, write us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. So, girls, that brings us to the end of our episode. Where can they find us? You can always find us on Instagram at Comadres e Comics and on Facebook at Comic Comadres. You can also find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres. Or you can email us directly at comadresecomics.com. I mean, no. Com- <laughs> no. <laughs> Comadres e Comics. Com- not, not yet. Oh, soon. Soon. Comadres e Comics at gmail.com. Thank you guys for listening. We have been your host, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.